I'm working on memorizing the book of Philippians. I'm through chapter 2. I've been reading the book of Philippians every day for about the last year in preparation for teaching it. And so I thought I might just, uh, I don't know if the right word, um, not really showing off, just uh, blessing you by quoting what we're going to study tonight. We'll see. I might just totally embarrass myself. Sometimes when you have an audience, it doesn't pop into your head quite as well, but I'll give it a shot. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints who are in Christ Jesus, who are in Philippi, along with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy um, in all my prayers for you. For I'm confident of this very thing, for he, for he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Um, for it is only right for me to feel this way about you because, because I have you in my heart. For you are, uh, because, uh, for it is, since both of my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers of grace with me. And this I pray, grace with me, for God is my witness, I along with you with affection of Christ Jesus. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and in all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are sincere and excellent, sincere and blameless. Um, Amen. Until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory of God the Father. All right, I'll read it now to you, and we'll do it a little slower. Paul and Timothy. Timothy was with Paul. Thank you very much. Uh, Paul is a prisoner in Rome, and if you remember, uh, Rome and Philippi are not that far apart, and uh, there's a major highway that connects them and a small uh, Aegean Sea that they have to cross, but it's a regular journey for travelers. And so Paul's in in, uh, prison in Rome, and uh, Philippi, the church at Philippi, was one of his favorites, and Paul was one of theirs, and so they supported him. They sent money to, them, to him more than once regularly, and so they sent a gift to him by the name, a fellow carried it to him by the name of Epaphroditus, and so Paul writes a letter and sends it back to the church with Epaphroditus as a thank you letter, and also basically uh, the message of the book of Philippi, and it's called the Epistle of Joy. And Paul is in prison, and it's still, he's writing it uh, with over 20 times the word joy or rejoice is used in the book. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, that's the elders, the leaders, and those who are the servants, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer, always offering prayer with joy with joy in my every prayer for you all in view because of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. So Paul was a missionary spreading the gospel, starting churches, and they were participants with him. And he's probably referring to the gift, the money that they sent him uh, as he says that. For I'm confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you, they had become believers in Christ, God will perfect it. Uh, make you like himself in character until he comes. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you because I have you in my heart since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. You all are partakers of grace with me. You're my partners. You're doing the work of spreading the gospel with me. God is my witness how I long for you all with the the affection of Christ Jesus. 
And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So if you have your notes, number one, intercessory prayer is probably the most powerful form of influencing others available to us as servants of God. Intercessory prayer is, is prayer that we would pray for others. I don't know if you knew this or not, but the number of prayers that are in the New Testament that a person prays for themselves is a big whopping one. There aren't very many prayers in the New Testament where a person prays for their own problems, their own needs, whatever it is that they would be struggling for. Now, it says that we can and uh, that we're to be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication to let our requests be made known to God. And so there's the obvious suggestion that we can, but when you read prayers that are written, you won't find a prayer that's written by a person, Paul or anyone else, for themselves. The closest it comes to that is when Paul prayed three times for the thorn to be removed from his flesh. And so the prayers that you see recorded as the one is here in this uh, first part of Philippians is for others. Uh, and this is what he, I'll read that part again. This I pray. This I pray that your love may abound more and more in real knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, when you go through the letters that Paul writes and, re and look at every one of the prayers that he prayed, there'll be a number of them. There's a half a dozen, six uh, lengthy prayers that are multiverse prayers that he prays for the people that he's writing to. And the question is, why are they in the Bible for us uh, what lesson do we want to get from those? And I believe the answer is those prayers are put there because we need to know that I can influence you by praying for you. In fact, I believe there's nothing that I can do that has more influence in your life than the prayers that I would faithfully pray for you. And so as a pastor, I have a desire that you grow. I have a desire as a father that my children continue to grow, even though they're all out of the home and married. I have a desire that my grandchildren grow. And so I pray for them all, regularly, faithfully, that God would work in their life. And so what do you pray when you pray for somebody else? Well, here's uh, Paul's prayer. I pray that your love may abound. Your love may abound. And so if we were to do a little quiz and say, what is the greatest commandment, the foremost commandment. You know the answer to that. We love God with all our soul, heart, and mind, and our neighbor as ourselves. that we love one another. And so, how much love do you have for God? How much love do you have for your wife, your husband, your kids, your neighbor? How much love do you have for your enemies? The command is to love our enemies. And is it on a scale of 1 to 100 at 20? What would it take to get it to go to 30, to 40, to 50? What would it take for your love to grow stronger? So when Paul prays this, he said, I pray that your love may abound. So I write notes, and uh, most of you get notes from me, handwritten with my red pen on yellow paper. And one of the things that uh, Jean, Miss Krause, does for me is she... Anybody who has a birthday or an anniversary, she puts the address in an envelope and she puts a stack of envelopes on my desk. And so I know who's next and I can see what the dates are. And so if you have an anniversary, I send you a note. 
one of the things I almost always put in the note when I write for anniversaries is, I pray for you that your love may abound more and more towards God and towards each other. And that's because Paul prays it. If Paul prays it, it must be a prayer that God answers. So the question is, when I write that to you as a prayer, I pray it while I'm writing and then pray it for you each week when I get to your name in my prayer journal. Does that make any difference in your life? Can God work in you supernaturally as God, infinite, almighty God in your heart and your mind? And can he increase the amount of love that is in you? Can he do that? If he can, why doesn't he do it more than he does? And I just believe that one of the things that God has done is he's made us interdependent. In other words, you're uh, connected to me, me to you, and what we do and for each other is very important if we're going to change and grow. And one of those is our praying for each other. And so when I pray for you that your love would grow, I believe God answers that prayer on your behalf. I, I, I pray that your love may abound more and more in real knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve the things that are excellent. Approve the things that are excellent. That means that you'd make good choices. The things that are excellent. You would choose to do the things that are good, that are excellent. In order, the result is that you would be sincere and blameless. And when you talk about uh, a noble prayer, a high prayer, that's pretty uh, noble. I would pray that God would cause you to abound in love so that you would uh, approve the things that are excellent um, so that you would be sincere and blameless, sincere and blameless until the day of Christ Jesus. Just a side note. The term day of the Lord, it's used repeatedly in the Bible. Book of Revelation, you'll see it, and the book of Joel, you'll see it almost 20 times in a little bitty short book. Day of the Lord is in reference to the tribulation. It's a day in which God's wrath is poured out on the world, on those who reject him. And so we see another day here, the day of Christ. That's the day that we get to see him as his children. That's the day we get our new body. That's the day we no longer have to put up with the world and the things in it. That's the day that the devil no longer will be able to tempt us, the day of Christ. And so until the day of Christ, having been filled filled up with the fruit of righteousness, that is, we become righteous and we become holy, which comes through Christ, he's the one who produces righteousness in our life. So Paul said, I pray this for you. And uh, it makes a difference. Another letter that Paul prays, uh, another letter where there is a prayer, uh, Philippians and Colossians, if you read those two books, they're very similar. And he wrote them both in prison in Rome, probably uh, within days of each other. And this one, he says, for this reason, chapter 1, verse 9 through 11, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you. We have not ceased to pray for you. And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, that you be filled with the knowledge of his will. That is, you know exactly what God's will is for your life and every detail of your life. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, the result so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And so I pray that for you every week. I've memorized these prayers. I pray, uh, Lord, would you work in Jim's life so that he would walk in a manner worthy of you, to please you in all respects, and every detail of his life he would please you, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power, so he'd be steadfast, 
always abounding in the work of the Lord. I mean, when you look at those prayers, you think, if those prayers were fully answered in your life, what kind of person would you be? Uh, pleasing him in every detail of your life, walking away that's pleasing, strengthened with all power, filled up with the, the, the fruit of Jesus in your life. So, I say it again, I don't think there's anything that I can do on your behalf that has more influence in your life than praying for you. And there's nothing that you can do for others, uh, your kids, your wife, your husband, your neighbors, your friends, for me. Um, I used to preach a sermon every year the week after my birthday. But because I don't preach very much anymore, I haven't done it for a while, and it was always the same sermon. It was the seven things that you do for me when you pray for me. Seven things that you can pray for me. And I would start it out by saying, I don't know if you knew this or not, but you're a victim. Yeah. When I preach really well, you grow. When I preach really bad, you don't. This is the body of Christ. God has chosen through the foolishness of preaching. And so you're, in a sense, very much of a victim to me, my study, my preaching. And so if I don't do well, you don't do well. If I do well, you do well. I don't know if you like that or not, but I'm a victim. My preaching is really limited to how much people pray for me and ask God to work in me and to fill me with his word and to preach through me and to grant me an anointing. So the more you pray for me, the better I preach. The better I preach, the more you grow. That's called the body of Christ, all interrelated. Uh, I'm a victim. You're a victim. We're in it together. And... Uh, so I can influence you by praying for you faithfully. Ephesians six eighteen. with all prayer, all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. With this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Now he's making a point there. That is, pray for everybody all the time, a lot. 1 Timothy 2, first of all, what does that mean in the Greek? First of all, most important, I urge that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgivings. How many Greek words are there for prayer? Four. Paul used every one of them right there. Be made on behalf of all men, on behalf of, that's intercessory prayer, for kings and all who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. In other words, when you pray for others, uh, you're doing something that is very pleasing to God who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Pray for all men, all people, because God wants everybody to get saved. Our prayers make a difference in those who don't know Christ and those who do. So number two, this is a big, big deal here. The volume of our praying is a major factor in the power of our influence. So if you read the Bible on the topic of prayer, you will see that there are factors that determine our power. I like to use the term horsepower because uh, I understand horsepower. You know, you have a car with 100 horsepower, 500 horsepower. There's a difference. Where you sit this minute, you have a level of power, influence with God when you pray. Some of you have very little. Some of you have a lot. And as you read through the Bible, you'll see the conditions that God has established uh, for answering our prayers. Uh, he said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. So there's an if, a because. 
If you abide in me, my words abide in you, then ask whatever, and God will answer. Uh, Psalm says, if I regard iniquity, if I have unconfessed sin in my life, I will not hear you. I'll not listen to your prayers. In fact, he goes on and says, your prayer is an abomination to me. First Peter says, husbands, live with your wife in an understanding way, granting her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered, hindered, cut off. If you don't live with your wife in an understanding way as a husband, then you have very little influence with God. So you probably remember I preached a series of sermons on that, and we called it the Dirty Dozen, 12 Reasons Why God Doesn't Answer Your Prayers, in fact, sometimes doesn't even listen. Now, a major one is when we come to God haphazardly, conveniently, comfortably, uh, so when do you pray? How much do you pray? Does it cost you anything? Does it take out any time from your television viewing? Uh, is it sacrificial? Is it systematic? Is, are you devoted to it? That's the command given in Scripture with prayer, be devoted to it. And so the average believer uh, prays when they're in a jam, when they have a need, they ignore God most of the time. They give him convenient, leftover, comfortable time. So the basic principle is if your prayer is like that, you have very little influence with God. So volume is really important in our praying. Uh, Luke 11, Jesus tells this parable. He said, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, my little clock, Shane, would you come around and turn that clock around? I think it's backwards or it's not running. It's not on, Okay. Uh, Gordon, would you tell me when it's 10 minutes to 8? Because if I don't get done, the Wana people will beat me viciously. <laughs> Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answers and says, Do not bother me. The door has already been shut. My children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give, him, give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, his persistence, that is, he asks and he asks and he asks, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds to him who knocks it will be opened. The grammar there in the Greek is perfect tense. That means you knock and keep on knocking. It's not a one-time deal. It's a continuous action. Knock and keep on knocking. Ask, keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. In Luke 18, now I tell, he was telling them a parable to show that at all times, all times, they ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God, did not respect man. There was a widow in that city. She kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent for a, for a while he was unwilling Afterward, he said to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. The Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? Who cry to him day and night? That is, they pray uh, often. Number three, how much time we are willing to give in interceding for someone is a good indicator of our desire to see them grow or change. 
So if you, uh, my birthday was just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, some of you didn't give me a gift. That didn't make sense. What? The words don't fit in here. How much time we are willing to give and interceding for someone is a good indicator of our desire to see them grow or change. You got the wrong one. Are you in number three? Yep. Huh. Sorry about that. I don't know if it's up there. Did it get up there? No. Uh, are, are, have you been getting the others up there? Uh-uh. How come? They lost the thing. Huh. I don't know where that came from. Sorry about that. That's the wrong one. Okay, just put those papers away. <laughs> okay, all right. We'll just, that'll help us go a little faster, okay? We'll just we'll do this. I was on the part about gifts for my birthday, wasn't I? Okay, yeah. So, somebody gave me a Cabela's card for $100. They really love me. So if you come up to me and give me a nickel, my opinion of you would be, I don't think they love me very much. I guess the thought that counts. Well, we'll leave that one and just go. I care for my kids, my grandchildren. If I prayed for them one second in a year, I wonder how much difference I would make. And you would recognize that's not much Agreed. So, let's suppose I pray for him 24 hours a day. Is that going to happen? No. So, somewhere in between. But the point is, volume is important to God. Romans 1.10, how unceasingly I make mention of you always in my prayers. Ephesians 1.16, I do not cease giving thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Uh, Acts 10 to a devout man, one who feared God with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. Um, the references to prayer are volume is important. Jesus in the garden said he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Like that's a minimum. My goal is to pray an hour a day. I have another goal to pray for everybody in our church every week. I have my prayer app with your picture in it and prayer requests. And I <clears throat> put information in there as I, as I observe it and see it. Um, so the point is, in this book, joy. And there are ten principles in the book of Philippians that says that if you do this, your joy will go up. Now, the world thinks that joy comes from cars, money, houses, boats, vacations, no problems, nice boss, uh, no grumpy neighbors. There's a whole lot of things that circumstances bring joy into our life. And the fact is, God gives joy. God gives joy. The psalmist said, uh, you, Lord, have filled me with joy more than when they are filled with wine. You, God, have filled me with joy. 
And he also says that he takes away joy. So the question is, why does God give me joy? Why does he give you joy? Because he gives it to us. Psalm 1611, in your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. So God gives joy as a reward. God gives joy to us as a reward for pleasing him. Another way to say it is when we give God joy, he gives us joy. Jesus was baptized, and God spoke from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased, in whom I'm well pleased. My favorite movie of all time, Chariots of Fire. Eric Little is talking with his sister. She's trying to tell him, yeah, that running's a waste of time. And he said this line. It's the best line in the whole movie. When I run, I sense his pleasure. Oh, I remember just getting goosebumps all over me. When I run, I sense his pleasure. Why would we sense his pleasure? Because God puts it in us. He gives us joy when we give him joy. It's a reward for living our life in a way that pleases him. And so when you look at prayer and Paul, he connects the two. He said, you are my joy. I pray for you and God gives me joy. I sense his pleasure in my life. Uh, joy doesn't come from circumstances. It doesn't come from events. God gives joy to those who please him. Uh, be a great Bible study for you to do would be to look up the word please uh, and the words that go with it, especially in the New Testament, and see all the number of times that it's recorded that pleasing God. Paul said, I have as my ambition to please him in all that I do. Ephesians, he said, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Matthew 25, 21, the parable of the talents. One was given one, one was given two, one was given one. The master went on a journey. That's Jesus. He came back, called his servants to himself. The one with five earned five more. And his words to him once said, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Enter into the joy of your master. That means experience the joy that I have now because of what you've done. The one with two earned two more. The words were the same. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The one who had won said, I was afraid. I dug a hole, buried it because I didn't want to mess up. Jesus said, you wicked, lazy slave. No joy for you. So we experience joy when we bring joy to the Lord. And praying for others, praying for others is the theme of the book, basically. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, emptied himself of all that he was, became a man, was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, so that we might live with him forever and ever and ever. Don't look out for yourself, but for the needs of others. Pray and intercede for the problems that other people have, and God will give you his joy. So, the word that I use all the time, if you're going to get better, is train, don't try. Train means you make a little step, 
And you take another little step, and you take another little step, and you take another little step on the basis of a goal that you make or a commitment that you have, and you train yourself to get better, to pray more. So if you're not praying much, if it's haphazard, it's convenient, it's comfortable, a couple of things. One is have a place. Jesus went to the garden. It says it was his custom to go there and pray. Uh, The apostles went to the temple, the ninth hour. That was the hour of prayer. Daniel went up into his room, and he prayed three times a day. He had a place, and he had a time. There was a system. The sun comes up, the sun goes down, the sun comes up, the sun goes down. You can predict when it's going to come up 10 years from today, right on the money, because God is orderly, he's systematic, and we're created in his image and in his likeness. And anything that's difficult to make happen, you will succeed at if you develop a system. So the question would be, when do you pray? Uh, well, eh, whenever. Your prayer life will be convenient, comfortable, circumstantial. It'll rarely have much power to it. So have a time, have a place, and uh, pray five minutes on Mondays at six in the morning. And then when you're faithful, do it on Tuesday as well. And when you're faithful, do it on Wednesday as well. When you get it down, then increase it to six minutes. Then increase it to eight, then to ten. Train yourself to be a prayer warrior. Train yourself to be devoted to prayer, a little bit at a time, by commitment and by goal. Second thing, have a prayer notebook. Without a notebook, your mind will wander when you're praying by yourself. I guarantee it. Uh, With a prayer notebook, you'll have prayer requests, names that you can put in there, requests that you can put in there, and then you can write prayers as well. Writing prayers is one of the most powerful forms of praying that there is. Paul's in the book of Philippi, written down. He sent it to them in writing. Um, And so I write in my prayer journal uh, a prayer that takes me five minutes to write, and then I go back and I read two or three others from previous days and weeks in the past, and I pray those back. And so that's a routine I do in the evening when I pray. Uh, I have a prayer app in my iPad. Uh, how much time do I have? Okay, 10 to 8, 15 to 8. Okay, super. I have a prayer app, my iPad, and in that I have a, uh, it's called Prayer Mate, and I can put your name, I can put unlimited information, and I can put your picture. And so I scroll down through it one at a time, praying for you, see your picture, see the name. I'm reminded of who you are, and I read the prayer request. Uh, sometimes when you put them in the letter, I cut and paste and put it in there, and I have a little bookmark on it, and I get through that every week. A few times I don't if I'm bicycling or fishing, but almost always I hit everybody in the church. Some of you I don't know well, so you get a God bless them. <laughs> and I pray Paul's prayer for you. Not much detail in it, but I have a system Uh, I have a place, I have a time, I have a notebook, I have a goal. And so I pray uh, an hour a day, I keep track of the time. And corporate prayer, our five days of prayer, my goal is to pray 40 hours. I pray three times a week in a corporate prayer time. And I keep track because I don't want to be negligent and wimpy in my prayer life because I want want God to hear me and to answer me when I pray and I want him to... I want to make a difference in your life. The more I pray, the more difference I will make. 
A dedicated prayer notebook is a major tool of those who want to be prayer warriors. A number of years ago, I got a call from a pastor, and he said, uh, Bill Hybels is going to be in Portland. He's landing. He has an hour layover, and I talked him into doing a little lesson for anybody who wants to gather in this room in the airport. It'll be at 3 o'clock. I got the call about 1 o'clock. And so I drove up to Portland and got in there. They were only letting in about 40 people in the room, and I managed to get in there, and he gave a little talk. And the title of the talk was The Hour That Is the Most Powerful Hour of My Life, something like that. And he writes out his prayer, uh, and he takes one hour every day to write and to pray a prayer as well as read prayers that he's previously written, and he keeps them in a notebook. And so when he gave that lesson, I thought, I'm going to do that. Any hour that will be the most powerful hour in someone like his life is worth doing. And so I've been doing that pretty much ever since. And I write it in my iPad. I've got a password-protected prayer journal And so I pray for my kids, I pray for you, I pray for me, I pray for lost people, I write it out, and then I go backwards and I pray two or three other prayers that I prayed previously. It's kind of a journal as well, because I'm always praying for current events and such. And when I do that in the evening, I get this great sense that I'm pleasing the Lord as I intercede uh, for you for my family, for my kids. I am more blessed than most people. It's not because I'm better looking. It's not because I am more godly. It's not because I'm more talented. But I do uh, pray more than most. And I don't pray more than most because I'm more committed or more anything, but I am definitely more systematic about my prayer life than most are. Because I know me and I know that if I'm not I will fail at it and I don't want to. And because I pray more than most uh, much prayer, much blessing. Little prayer, little blessing. No prayer, no blessing. And my blessing is not For me, my blessing is for my kids and my grandkids and for my church and for you. Uh, That's where I spend my time praying is for everyone else. And when I do, I experience the joy of the Lord in my life, his blessing. That's just the way it is. And so I don't know where you're at in your prayer life, but uh, think about where it is and if it's with any degree of sacrifice, any degree of regularity, any degree of being... The people that you know, are they going to be blessed because you pray for them? on a regular basis, your kids, your family, your neighbors, your friends. And so I pray more than most because I made a goal to do it, and I read it, and I have a system. I have a time and a place, and I have an iPad, and I have an app, and I have a notebook. Uh, If you have those, then you will pray faithfully, and when you do, people in your life will be blessed, and your life will be blessed. It's not rocket science. It is a matter of priorities. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the power of prayer that we can influence people. We can make a huge difference in their life. Uh, And we don't really do it. You do it. 
You're the one that fills them and convicts them and, and stirs them. You're the one who protects them and guides them, fills them with the knowledge of your will. You're the one who causes their love to grow and increase. But you do that when we pray and intercede. You would love to pour out blessings much more than you do, but you have chosen to limit what you do in the lives of people by the amount of time we spend interceding for them. So I pray that we would be faithful prayers. Uh, Lord, we would pray for those that we know, the ones we don't. We would pray for our world, our leaders. We would pray for our neighbors, knowing that when we pray, you work. And the more we pray, the more you work. And we enter into the joy of our master as lives are changed. And so I pray that we would make a commitment, make a goal. We would review it. We would keep it. It's something our flesh hates to do. The world will suck our time up. The devil will do everything to keep us from praying. And so we have to be diligent in pursuing a devoted prayer life. I pray that we each would do that. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.